Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and happy Father's Day. I'm so glad that you're here today. I was uh, thinking about my very first Father's Day. Um, it was we celebrated it before my daughter Libby was even born. Amy was still pregnant, and since you know, like we believe that life starts at conception, not at birth. Like we celebrated Father's Day, and so uh, I remember Amy gave me a card for Father's Day, and it had a picture of the latest sonogram inside. And I mean, it just, I'm telling you, it just filled my heart so much. And, and I started thinking about, think about the kind of dad that I intended to be. You know, that I, I want to be the kind of dad that would, you know, I would start thinking about taking her to father-daughter dances and, you know, taking her camping and teaching her how to play softball and, you know, playing dolls with her when she was young and, and even playing dolls with her kids after she was old. And I'm telling you, like, like, I'm good at playing dolls, okay? I mean, I'm just telling you, I've had some practice. Like, I'm good at it, okay? I mean, there was a, I remember Libby when she was younger, like, we used to play Polly Pockets together. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm saying it publicly. I did. I played Polly Pockets. And, um, and I, but I'm telling you, like, I was good at it because that little Polly Pocket family, they were the Pumpernickels. Um, the, the Pumpernickels often faced natural disasters. I mean, volcanoes earthquakes, tsunamis. I mean, look, I mean, I had to like man it up a little bit, right? I mean, I couldn't totally surrender the man card. And I'll tell you, that minute, little Mr. Pumpernickel, that guy knew how to save the day. I'm telling you, like he was good at it. Like he was awesome. So anyway, but bottom line, I was thinking about the kind of dad that I intended to be. But here's what I've realized. I've realized that it is my decisions, not intentions, that determine my direction in life. It's my decisions, not intentions, that determine my direction in life. See, I could intend to be a certain kind of dad, but unless I made decisions, it wouldn't matter. And all of us, we can intend to go a certain way in life, but unless we make decisions to go that way, it'll never happen. And for all of us, okay, what impacts my decisions the most? It's influences. Influences impact my decisions probably more than any other single thing. You know, for me as a dad, my greatest influence was my dad. And I had a great dad. I mean, he, he was so involved in my life and he really pointed me in the right direction. And so I was influenced by my dad. And all of us have been influenced by our dads, you know, for better, for worse. And we've been influenced by lots of other things in life too, okay? By other people, or by music, or by TV, by books we read, by culture, by parents, by friends, by our faith. I mean, all sorts of things influence us. But bottom line, our in, uh, what our influence is, they impact our decisions. And our decisions determine our direction in life. I mean, think about it. Almost every dumb decision is a result of a bad influence. I mean, think about it. Pretty much every dumb decisions that teenagers make are almost always a result of listening to someone who was a bad influence in their life, right? 
Businesses, bad business decisions are almost always the result of listening to a bad influence. I mean, I'm talking about the decisions like shut whole companies down. Marriages that are on the rocks are almost always the result of of bad decisions that are a result of bad influences. Poor parenting is almost always the result of bad decisions that are made because of bad influences. So I'm telling you, we have to be incredibly careful when it comes to determining what we will allow to influence the direction of our lives because it's, the influences affect our decisions and our decisions directly impact our direction in life. Which is why I'm so glad that we're going to study the passage we're studying today because today we're going to look at five kings, five kings in the Bible, and get this, all five kings rose to power for the exact same reason, but all five kings fell from power because of the exact same reason. And the details are a little bit different, but if you peel back the layers, what we'll see is that the, all five kings fell from power for the exact same thing. And the exact same thing was bad influences that they allowed to become a part of their lives. And as a result, they each fell from power. So for each of these kings, let's get right to it. What made them rise to power? Well, it was the demise of the previous king. All of them rose to power because the previous king died. And the king died either in battle or because of old age or because of treachery. But the point is, is that each of the new kings had a clean slate they could determine whatever direction they wanted to go in life. Now, what made them fall from power? Well, what made them fall from power was the bad, they chose bad influences. Every one of them chose bad influences in their lives. And so through these kings, God is gonna show us what these influences are, so hopefully we won't follow those same and thus be led astray, and simultaneously, Within each of these is also a lesson that God would show us to help us avoid that influence so that we could avoid a fall. And by the way, all these kings are found in one chapter. It's all in 1 Corinthians 16. It actually includes the last two two verses of chapter 15. But they're all in one place, and I think God put them all in one place so that we could see in one little spot over and over and over and over and over again how important it is for us to choose the right kinds of influences because these bad influences lead to a fall. So let's get right to it. What specifically caused each of these kings to fall and what can I learn from it? Well, first guy we're gonna look at is a guy named King Baasha. Baasha reigned from 909 to 886 BC and uh, he came to power because he murdered the previous king. Um, It happened when they were in battle fighting a common enemy and so Baasha ended up killing the previous king. So basically he came to power through treachery. Now, ironically, Baasha actually came from a righteous and God-fearing family because he was from the tribe of Issachar. So the thought was, is that he would be a righteous and God-fearing king. But that's not what happened. Instead, he became an evil king. So what were the specifics that led to his fall? Well, here's what led to his fall, is that he was influenced by predecessors. He was influenced by his predecessors. Let's read his story. In 1 Kings chapter 15, we'll just pick up the last two verses. In the third year of Asa, king of Judah, remember Judah is in the south, Israel is in the north, okay? Baasha, son of Ahijah, became king of 
all Israel, that's the north, in Terzah, and he reigned 24 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, walking the ways of Jeroboam and in his sin, which he caused Israel to commit. Basically, he did what his predecessor, King Jeroboam, did and led the nation to worship idols and therefore not worship the one true God. So look, instead of being influenced by his family, he allowed himself to be influenced by his predecessor. Because look, regardless of what kind of family you come from, you gotta be careful about the influence of your predecessors, especially that's true in your job. So look, whatever your, whatever your job is, okay, just because you know, like, that's the way it's always been done, that's not near a good enough reason to keep doing it that way. So look, whether it's you know, at your job, or whether you know, you're a stay-at-home mom, or whether you homeschool, or, you know, or whatever it is that God might have you do, okay? God has you doing what you're doing for a reason. And I don't know what that reason is. It could be lots of reasons, but for all of us, whatever it is that we're doing, whether we get paid for it or not, all of us, God has us doing our thing for at least one reason, and that one reason is this, is that I'm to be the light and love of Christ wherever I am. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I am to be the light and love of Christ at my work, at my home, where, at my school, wherever it is. I mean, look, I know people, I know people who started a Bible study at their work during their lunch break, even though that's never been done before. I know people who have asked for, for permission to pray with clients, even though that's never been done before at their workplace. I know people who have started using biblical principles of openness and honesty in their contracts, where in their industry, it's normal to write contracts to slant things in their own favor. I know people who have dedicated their business to God on the day that they opened, and that one dedication has guided so many of their business decisions through the years. I'm telling you, bottom line, these people, they didn't choose to do things like their predecessors. They chose to do things in a new way. And so look, bottom line, here's the lesson for us. The lesson is, is that I need to take advantage of the chances God gives me and don't squander them. I got to take advantage of the chances that God gives me and not squander them. Look, King Baasha, he had a great chance to start new. He had a clean slate. The previous king was evil. He had a chance to be good and great and he squandered it. He squandered it. So look, you have a choice to honor God in your workplace, in your home, at your school, especially if you're going to a new school this next year. You have a chance to honor God wherever you go and whatever you're doing, so don't squander that opportunity. Instead, be the light and love of Christ wherever you go. And that prevents a fall, okay? Second guy we're going to look at is King Elah. King Elah reigned from 886 to 885 BC. King Elah was uh, the son of um, King Baasha, and he came to power when his dad just simply died of old age. Um, and King Elah had a chance to become a righteous king, but that's not what happened. Instead, his, he had an influence that led to his fall. And what was his influence? The influence was that he was influenced by his father. He was influenced by his dad. Let's read about what, uh, what God says happened. 
in 1 Kings 16, verse 13, it says, Baasha and his son Elah sinned and led the people of Israel to sin. And they made the Lord, the God of Israel, angry because of their worthless idols. So bottom line, look, Baasha influenced his son Elah to worship idols. And then when Elah came to power, Elah led the nation to worship idols. So basically, he just followed in the footsteps of his dad. Now I know, okay, like, this is kind of like a downer on Father's Day. Like, I get that, okay? So look, and so instead of looking at this from the negative, let's look at it from the positive. Look at it from a positive point of view. Bottom line, dads, you have, you have an incredible amount of influence over your kids, especially your sons. So dads, what are you doing to influence your kids toward Christ? So dads, if your kids are younger, you have to be involved in their lives. If your kids are older, you have to be involved in their lives. Their whole lives, you just simply have to be involved. And get this, if, you're, if the interests of your kids are different than yours, then you have to move toward your kids. Okay, look, the reason I played Polly Pockets with Libby, with Libby is not because I just love Polly Pockets. I played Polly Pockets because she loved it. And I loved her. And so I played Polly Pockets. So look, dads, even if the interest of your kids is different than yours, then move toward your children. Move toward your kids. Be that kind of influence on them. So here's the lesson for all of us. The lesson is this, is that I need to be influenced by my heavenly father, especially if my earthly father was a bad influence. Because maybe you grew up with an earthly dad that was horrible for, you know, for whatever reason. And if you grew up with that kind of a dad, let me tell you this. God is a perfect father. He is a perfect father. And he can come and he can, and when he comes into your life, he can fill in that void. He can fill in those gaps. He can fill in those places of hurt that were left by your earthly father. And he, only he can do that because he's perfect. And he's a perfect father. Look, and by the way, dads, like this is really good news for us. Because here's the deal. You're not a perfect father. And I'm not either. And, but one thing that we can do is we can point our kids to God. And then whatever gaps we have accidentally left in their hearts and lives, he can fill. Just like he can do it for you, he'll do it for them. And so the best thing that you can do is be the kind of dad that points your child to God and let him be their perfect father because that's what he is. Okay, next guy we're going to look at is King Zimri. King Zimri reigned in 885 BC, but get this, he only reigned seven days, like one week. That's it. That's all. That was his whole time in the sun. All right. Now, we're, we're not going to spend a lot of time on him because the truth is he didn't spend a lot of time as king. So I'm going to let you read his story on your own. Um, there are some lessons to learn there, but I want to move on to king number four. This is King Omri. King Omri reigned from 885 to 874 BC, and he came to power because the guys in the army appointed him king. But 
Simultaneously, there were a large group of civilians that wanted a different guy to be king. Now, the Bible doesn't give us this next part, but we know this from history, that for the next five years, there was essentially a campaign between these two guys for popular opinion to see who was going to be king. Five years. Now, look, we're in the middle of a presidential election right now. Can you imagine for the next five years listening to Hillary and the Donald argue? Yeah, not good. That's not what anybody would want. So, but that's what was happening here in the nation of Israel. And get this, after five years, eventually the people that, you know, uh, supported Omri won and Omri ended up killing the other guy. Now, I'm not saying that's what should happen in our presidential campaign, but what I am saying is this, is that essentially Omri, he he's so conformed to the culture of his day that he told the people what they wanted to hear so that he could get elected. He told them whatever they wanted and did whatever they wanted so he would become the next king. He conformed to the culture of the day. Let's read what happens. In 1 Kings 16, it says this. It says, the people of Israel were divided. Some of them wanted to make Tibni, son of uh, Genath king, and the others were in favor of Omri. In the end, those in favor of Omri won out, Tibni died, and Omri became king. And I want you to underline verse 25. Omri sinned against the Lord more than any of his predecessors. So, Omri now leads the pack as the most evil king. He has become now the new standard of evil for kings. Way to go. Good job, Omri. Verse 26. Like Jeroboam before him, he aroused the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, by his sins and by leading the people into sin and idolatry. Bottom line, what was his fall? His fall was that he was influenced by culture. He was influenced by the culture. Because remember, up until this time, the culture of Israel was to worship idols, to worship false gods. And Omri was about to lead them to do more of the same. In fact, like way more of the same. Why? Because it's what the culture wanted. It's what was popular. It's what people wanted. And in the end, it earned him the title as the most evil king yet. So, for us, what's the lesson? The lesson is this, is that don't practice culture without questioning culture's practices. Don't practice culture without questioning culture's practices. Look, just because, just because culture says it's okay, that doesn't make it okay. God is our standard for right and wrong, not culture. Look, our current culture says that people should live together before they get married. I mean, you gotta test drive this relationship to make sure it's even gonna work, right? But God says to you and to me, he says, hey, in the Bible, he says, don't even let there be a hint of sexual immorality among you. So just because culture says it right, doesn't make it right. In fact, there have been hundreds of socio sociological studies done that say that cultures, I mean, sorry, that couples who live together before they're married have a 33% more likely chance to become divorced. 
33% more likely to get divorced. Look, bottom line, culture is whatever the majority of people do and whatever the majority of people believe. The problem is, is that culture is made of 100% sinners. 100%. And that's all of us. So look, I, look, I'm not saying that people have no sense of right and wrong. They do. But here's what I am saying, is that people will ultimately justify anything, even if they know deep down it's wrong. And eventually, that happens enough, it becomes a part of a culture. And if it becomes a part of a culture, eventually, culture quits questioning whether it's even right or wrong. That's why it's so dangerous. So we have to be very, very careful about the influence of culture because you can't practice culture without questioning culture's practices. And when you question those practices, you have to hold those practices up against the standard of the Bible because this is our standard for right and wrong. And by the way, God's ways are always, 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 always more beneficial in the long run, always. Okay. Last guy we're going to look at is King Ahab. King Ahab reigned from 874 to 853 BC. Bottom line, he's the son of King Omri, and he takes over for his dad when his dad just simply dies of old age. So here's what happens. Let's read in 1 Kings 16 uh, about King Ahab. The Bible says this. It says, in the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, remember that's in the south, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel in the north. And he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Hey, Ahab, way to go, man. It only took you one generation to take over as worst king yet. Good job. Just like that. Way to go. Off to a great start. Verse 31, he not only considered it trivial, I want you to circle considered it trivial, to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole, we learned about that last week, and did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. So bottom line, what was his fall? His fall is that he was influenced by choices. He was influenced by his own choices. And listen, it started out with something trivial that he considered trivial. Like, we're just going to worship some idols, some false gods. I mean, look, they've been doing this for years. But that one choice led him to marry Jezebel, who also worshiped idols, which led him to um, set up, which led him to worship the idol Baal, which was her favorite idol, which led him to build a temple to Baal, which led him to, to set up other idols, particularly an Asherah pole, to the goddess of Asher, which we talked about last week, is God hated probably more than any other idol. So bottom line, there was this progression of sin because of his choices. One bad choice led to another. So the, the, the lesson for us is this, is that sin becomes progressive unless I become aggressive to stop it. Sin becomes progressive unless I become aggressive to stop it. Look, 
I don't even need to go through a list of examples to help, because you already know that this is true. I mean, we all know that if we make one wrong, sinful choice, we eventually become numb to it and it becomes easier to make a next choice that might even be even worse. Because why? Because sin is progressive. Look, we gotta get away from this idea of thinking that, oh, well this one sin, it's no big deal. I mean, it just doesn't have that big of a consequence, so it's no big deal. No, it is. Because first off, every sin separates us from God, and every sin leads somewhere. And every sin sets us up to commit a greater sin that has a greater consequence, to commit a greater sin that has a greater consequence, and so on and so on. Why? Because sin is progressive. And we have to become aggressive at stopping that kind of a cycle. So for all of us, the best thing that we can do, the best thing that we can do is to give God the number one place of influence in our lives. I mean, we have to be so careful about the influences we choose, and so therefore, the best thing that we can do is make God the number one influence in our lives. So basically, we say to God, we say, God, you know what? I'm going to follow you above all things. And so I, th- I think that this is the way I should go, but you know the way I should go. You know what I should do. And so if you're saying go this way, God, that's what your Bible says, or that's what you told me by, in prayer, God, then I'm going to trust you because you're the number one influence in my life. There's not even a close second. And so I'm going to go your way. I think this is the way to go. It fe- this feels right to me. But bottom line, you're saying this is right. And so I follow you. Because remember, you're intentions, I mean, sorry, decisions, not intentions, determine the direction of my life. And I decide I'm going to follow God with all my heart, no matter what he says. Be that kind of a person. Now look, you might be sitting here thinking, you know what, I've made so many mistakes, I've messed up, I've done so many dumb things in my life, I don't even know if God could even sort this out and make good come out of all that I've done. Listen, let me tell you, God says the same thing to you that you say to each of these kings, that today you can start with a clean slate. Today you can start with a clean slate. So you say, today God, you are now going to be my number one influence in my life. And now, God's not going to change your past. He's not going to do that. But he can totally change your future. If you will trust him and his ways. So for you, if you need that clean slate start, you can make that clean slate start today. And for some of you, that might mean that you choose to become a Christ follower, choose to become a Christian for the first time. If you've never done that before, never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive you, and then place to follow him with all your life, then you can do that today. There's a prayer, it's in your message notes. If you've never prayed a prayer like that today, In just a second, I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, I want you to pray that prayer. If you've already prayed it, you don't need to pray it again. Maybe for you, you just need to renew your commitment to say, okay, God, you are number one in my life. And if that's you, then pour that out of your your heart in prayer to God. Okay? So right now, I want everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm going to pray for us all. And you pray along with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for these kings. Not for what they did but for the example they are to us today of 
the danger of choosing the wrong influence. And so God, I pray for every single person in this room that has wrestled with wrong influences in their lives, that today, God, they would say, you are my one and only influence, God, and everything flows out of my relationship with you. I pray that that would be true for all of us. And for those that are struggling because they've made so many bad mistakes in their lives, so many poor decisions, God, I pray that today that you would say, and you would whisper to their heart and life, that today is a new day, that they can start with a clean slate, and that today would be the first step down a different path in life. And for all of us, God, bring us back next week so that we can hear more and ask you to do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.